forefathers, and this has really been on my heart for the past two months. And um, just to give a little bit of confirmation of that, um, actually this week I got a call um, from Jason Nettles, who's one of the leaders who is putting on the SEND, which is happening in Florida a little bit later. We are sending nine students, I believe, to this event. Um, anyway, Jason called me, and, um, and he said, Dennis, you know, I just feel like I've been talking with some other Korean-American leaders, and we just feel like there is a spiritual inheritance right now that we need to get in prayer. And we're gathering 40 to 50 Korean-American leaders in Hawaii this summer because we just feel like we need to go into this. And I said, that's a good word, bro. I told told him for the past couple months, I have been burdened with this word that there's a spiritual inheritance that we have to get. So this is good confirmation. Uh, Many of us um, are going to be gathering specifically because we do feel like this is something that the Spirit of the Lord is speaking in this hour, and we get to be part of it. So I've been really encouraged. We've had, we had morning prayer um, all every day this week, except for Monday. We're not doing it on Mondays or Sundays. Um, and we had about you know eight students, about an average of eight students who came out every day for morning prayer. So thank you guys who are coming out for morning prayer. I know that that is a difficult prayer meeting, um, but you're going to have another opportunity today. You can sign up for prayer. We are asking every single member of BTM to commit to a minimum of one prayer meeting a week. And we have lots of prayer meetings available, including morning prayer every morning. We have campus houses of prayer. Uh, We have Bob Hop, which is going on here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And starting in March, um, TMP is going to be doing prayer meetings from 7 to 9 every single night. So we have lots of opportunities for prayer. So I want to encourage you, if you've not yet signed up, please prayerfully consider signing up. And I want to stress one prayer meeting is really a suggested minimum. There is no maximum. There is no maximum. All right. I was sharing with people when I was a freshman in college, my second semester, my freshman year, I was doing probably about 10 prayer meetings a week. Okay. I don't want to say that to brag, but yeah, that was pretty good, man. Good job, freshman Dennis. (laughs) I've never done, I've never done that much prayer since. (laughs) Um, But I want to encourage you. It absolutely is, is possible. Um, if the Lord really burdens your hearts, and I want to say um, it is time for it. My heart has been increasingly burdened. If I, as I've been seeking the Lord every morning in prayer, I've been increasingly burdened. And um, we are in the midst of a sermon series on this prayer inheritance. Today, we're going to be talking about why we pray, why we pray. So please open up your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 6, Jeremiah chapter 6, and many of you guys understand um, these, man, I just sense so much urgency in my heart. I know that today is the Super Bowl. I know it starts. What time does it start? Who cares, right? Who cares what time it starts? Man. Jeremiah chapter 6, while you're doing that, I want to share a word from Jeremiah Johnson because the dude is on fire right now. Okay, I'm not going to share um, the big long one he released this week, but I, he shared one I think this morning that was just so glorious right? says this, public service announcement. Concerning the judgment of God, there is no need for a new prophetic word, dream, vision, or revelation, because the scriptures have already spoken. Any civilization, including Israel, that shed the blood of innocence, abortion, and engaged in sexual immorality, God judged, period. You don't have to be a prophet, a minister, a seminary graduate, or an intellectual genius to state what the Bible says 
The United States will be judged because we have shed the blood of the innocent and engaged in rampant sexual immorality. What dream, vision, revelation, or prophetic word tells you this, Jeremiah? None. Just read the Bible. We're going to read the Bible today. Because that is absolutely the truth. I have been burdened increasingly over this issue. I suggested several times at this point that I believe the Lord has laid on my heart really strongly that there is a coming judgment not just for America, but for the entire earth. Every nation that sheds the blood of innocence and abortion, there is a time of reckoning coming. And this should be burdening our hearts as a church. There's major urgency on this issue, abortion is not just one political issue. It is the defining issue of our times. It is the defining issue of our times. I believe that in the next generation, they will look back at this generation the same way we do at the generation that allowed slavery, and they will condemn those who did not speak up and raise their voice on this issue. And I will not be in that number. I am speaking up in Jesus' name. But church, I want to say this, that this is our calling. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of our land. And I want to thank you guys. I know many of you have really started to speak up more so. And I want to say, good job. Let me encourage you. Don't be discouraged by the people who, wow, yeah, 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 whatever. Okay? Don't be discouraged by the ones who speak against you. I've also been increasingly convinced of this. Those Christians that stand for abortion, I believe these are the heretics of our times. I believe these are the heretics of our times. There's a word gestating in my heart about them, but I want to say this. They're sowing confusion in the body right now, and I think it's almost about time to really start speaking out against these so-called Christians that would stand for abortion in these times. I want to say this. I believe that they, the blood of the innocent is on their hands. The blood of the innocent is on their hands. Those who had claimed to speak for God. And I say this, we're reading the book of Jeremiah right now. Understand this, Jeremiah was the last prophet sent to Judah, the final prophet who is warning them that God was going to send judgment because of certain sins, which we're going to talk about today. And the nation did not listen to Jeremiah. It was not because they didn't want to listen to God. It was because there were so many other so-called prophets and so-called leaders who claimed to speak for God themselves. And they were saying the opposite. They were saying peace and safety. God says everything is fine. No problems here. He loves you so much. And they just emphasize the love and the grace of God. And they will not warn the people about the danger that's to come. And you understand in the New Testament, we are warned about such people too. In the book of Jude, he warns against those Christians that teach the grace of God as a license for sin. As though God has immeasurable patience. That he is going to be patient forever. His grace knows no bounds. And there's a lot of that type of language by Christian leaders in our culture. And look, I love many of these people. But what they are doing is contributing to the destruction of our nation. I'm just so burdened by this right now. Have you found Jeremiah chapter 6? And this week also, there was, you know, these Democrats, God bless them. I'm furious at the Democratic Party right now. They're trying to pass more bills to expand abortion rights 
And you'll see, man, that, that governor, what, what state was he in? Virginia? Governor of Virginia, I can't remember if I prayed that he would be judged or I just wished it. But the next day, news came out. And now the left is calling for this dude's head, too, because these pictures came out of him, like, you know, wearing a KK hood or something like that, KKK hood or something like that. And now everybody's calling for this guy's head. But I want to say, good. He should be impeached. He should get out of there. Anybody that would be pro-choice, I'm sorry. It's over for you. It is over for you. I am praying in judgment into the nation, okay? For those that would stand for abortion, I'm asking that God would remove them from places of influence, remove them from public office. I am praying that God would only empower pro-life people to be in America today. That's how important I think this is. Because, again, I don't see this as one political issue. I see this as a defining issue of our times. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 10 says this, to whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord, and I cannot hold it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on the young men gathered together. Both husband and wife will be caught in it. And the old, those weighed down with years, their houses will be turned over to others Together with their fields and their wives, when I stretch out my hand against those who live in the land, declares the Lord. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear you nations. You who are witnesses, observe what will happen to them. Hear you, earth, I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. I want to say that this is the word of the Lord, not only for America today, but for many nations around the earth. God is going to start speaking this in power, because the time has come again for him to pour out judgment. I've tried to emphasize this, but it is very important. God's judgment is not evil. Our actions are evil. Our actions are responsible for the deaths of over 40 million babies last year alone. That is six holocausts in one year. That's our fault. That's our fault, church. We are the light of the nations. We are the voice for the voiceless. And we have been largely silent. I'm not saying completely silent. I understand. But we have not understood the ways of God. And my heart has become so burdened for this. We have so emphasized the grace and the love of God that we become Christians, become confused by these passages. Christians don't understand the goodness of God's judgment. They don't understand his harshness. 
they look at it and they go, wow, that seems really mean. I can't explain that. When people bring up accusations of, look at God, he's evil. Look at this stuff that he's done in the Bible. We become ashamed and go, well, I don't know why he did that. Church, I want to tell you why he does it. God judges to put an end to evil. He sends his watchmen first. He sends his people first to be the salt and the light of the nations. Oh, that they would influence their people groups with righteousness so God would not have to judge. But when the salt loses its saltiness, then it's good for nothing, only to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. In the same way, church, if we will not be the salt of the nation, if we will not influence the nation towards righteousness, then it's fitting that we share in the judgment of our people. And this is something the church has not understood. We've lifted up our hands and said, well, God, what can I do? I can't do anything. If they're going to sin, they're going to sin, and I can't do anything. But understand this. No, the scriptures say that we have the ability to influence those around us. And that's just the truth. That is just the truth. We have the power to influence those around us. We're just scared to do it. truth is that the church has been locked into this understanding that our relationship with God is personal. It's just about me and Jesus. And he makes me happy, and he provides good things for me. And see, all of that's true. All of that's good. I, I trumpet that message all the time. He is good. He's, he's been so faithful in my life. He has blessed me so much, and I'm so thankful for him. He does bring me pleasure. I love, I love times of great intimacy with him. It is, it is amazing. I love it when he speaks to my heart. I love God. But that is not my commission. My commission is not just to love him. My commission is to do his work in the earth. This is what Jesus said. He said, I must be about my father's business. I must be about his work. Understand this, Jesus was satisfied in his relationship with the Father. But he had work to do. And in the same way, the church has so misunderstood the work that it's called to do. We are called to bring righteousness to the nation. That is the calling of the body. Bring righteousness to the nation. And we've thrown up our hands and say, I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. I don't know what to do. And I want to say, look, it starts with trying. It starts with trying, okay? We have a church that takes pride in that, man, nobody's persecuting me. That's a terrible thing. That is a terrible thing. What a mark of immaturity that nobody's persecuting you, right? And I say this lovingly because I'm barely persecuted. Little kids, yeah, mean pastor. Right. Barely persecuted. But the times, they are a coming church. I told our leaders, in, this, in these next 10 years, persecution is going to rise sharply for Christians in America. It is time. And that should not be bad news for us. Why should that be bad news for us? How can anyone curse me more than God can bless me? Or are those just words that we say and sing about? but not ones that we actually believe. 
Because I set the Lord at my right hand, I will not be shaken. If I get fired from my job, the Lord will provide. Like anybody stars in America, come on. Nobody's going to starve. If you get kicked out of your school, so what? So what? But realistically, that's not the type of persecution that many of us are facing. No, we're just facing mean looks from other people. And I say to that, I, I was talking with somebody earlier today. Not today, yesterday or the day before. Got my days mixed up. I remember what it was like to be in high school, right? Remember high school? Like everybody's trying so hard to be popular, right? I remember, I remember what that feels like, you know, man, wanting to be popular, being so scared of the popular kids, you know, or, you know, being afraid of doing anything that would make me less popular. I remember what that's like, okay? But I look back on my high school self, and I'm like, you moron, <laughs> right? You idiot, right? These popular kids, they are fools. They don't know what's right or wrong. They're just as insecure as you are, right? And yet that's where we are in our lives. When we're afraid of the judgments of people just like us. They're just as insecure as you are. I say, do not fear them. Do not fear them. It is time for a bold church to arise, and I want to say, this is why we're here. This is why we're here on the earth. See, I am so excited to be on the earth for such a time as this, because this is the time to shine. When deep darkness covers the land, the glory of the Lord will alight on his people. That's what it says. This is the time right now for the church to show what it's made of. And I say, I am so encouraged and excited for what's coming because I see a bit of what is coming. And I mentioned it in a Facebook post this week. I feel like there is a righteous anger that is going to come on the body. And it is going to release the kind of demonstration of the character of God that America has not seen in a generation. There are going to be Christians rising up with righteous anger in their hearts, and it's not born of personal offense. It's not because they're offended at somebody. No, it's because they're filled with the fear of the Lord. See, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. The fear of the Lord understands that we love people, but when they're doing terrible things, they must be opposed. And brothers and sisters, that's what we have in America today. I'm talking about your college classmates. Yes, them. I'm talking about your college classmates that scream about a woman's right to choose. I'm talking about your college classmates that are so obsessed about the oppression of black people. Can I be blunt? Black people are fine. They're fine. They're the richest black people in the entire world. You know who's not fine? Unborn babies are not fine. The false judgment, the false justice movement that is raging in the universities right now is blinding people's hearts to the need for the real justice movement. You understand? 
This is a false justice movement. And now everyone in our society is competing to see who's the biggest victim. No, I'm the most oppressed. Right? I'm so oppressed. Right? You don't get to speak because you're a rich, white, conservative male. Shut up. Shut up with that stuff. That is garbage. It's a lie. It's a demonic deception. And I don't have to respect that opinion. No, you are the one who raises your voice against the unborn. I am the one who is coming here to rebuke you and defend the rights of your children. Today in New York City, one out of every three babies is aborted. One out of three. There's one abortion for every two kids that are actually born and raised. And look, abortion is just the worst of it. We're living in a generation of unprecedented broken families. So many kids growing up with only one parent. So many kids growing up with the sense of abandonment and feeling like their parents don't really value them. And I say this, how dare those parents? How dare they? How dare they not value their own kids? How dare they not lay down their lives for them like God commands them to do? Which is fitting and right. Not going to make excuses for them. No, if they come in humility and repentance and say, I want to do right by my children, but it's so hard, then we'll show them mercy. But if they come in arrogance, no, then they deserve judgment. I think that's fitting. I think the church should be consumed with passion for those who are truly oppressed. Don't buy into the lie that's being sold in the universities today. In the times of Jeremiah, there were two major sins that God was really upset about. Number one was idolatry. He said that Israel is like a prostitute that sleeps with other gods, gives its worship to other gods, even though it was Yahweh who provided everything for them. He provided them a land of their own. He sent them a deliverer and delivered them from slavery. With great miracles, he divided the Red Sea for them. He brought them water out of a rock. He gave them manna in the wilderness. He did all that. It wasn't Baal. Was it any of the other gods? It was Yahweh. He did it. And now they're unfaithful and they're serving these other gods who've never done anything for them. Now I ask you this question, America. How are you any different? When it's God who blessed you more than any other nation on the earth. When it's God who gave you unprecedented riches, unprecedented economic might, military might, who made you the safest, most prosperous generation in history. How are you any different? I give the corporate you here. Because I'm speaking about your classmates, your rebellious socialist classmates, talking about them. No gratitude or thanksgiving. Instead, they're delusional in their arrogance. Rebellious, they think they can just sleep around with whoever they want. No, they can't. They will be judged for it and will be judged if we don't get in their faces and say, what the heck do you think you're doing? The time for a passive church is over. The time for a church that just says Jesus loves you is over. He does love you. That's why he gives you this short time to repent. 
That's why he sent his son to die on the cross for you. But if you reject his gift, if you scorn his gift, despite all that God has done for you and your forefathers, your forefathers who put their trust in him, who wrote in God we trust on our money, who wrote in praise to the creator in every founding document of our republic, scorn him do you think he'll take it lightly of course not there's a principle the more revelation you have as a people the more you deserve judgment if you fall into apostasy and we have plenty of historical data and examples of this look unto europe brothers and sisters look to europe europe started to apostatize in the 19th and 20th centuries and what do you have war after war after war after war Culminating in World War I and World War II, where the entire, all the nations were pretty much wiped out. Their empires were taken from them. Because they would not repent. And now their land is being taken from them and given to another. Understand what Islam is. It is invading Europe. God is removing even their land from them now. Because they knew who he was. They had revelation of who he was. But they did not honor his commands to teach your children. Be very diligent. To teach your children to fear the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline of God. Remind them of what he's done for you. Remind them. You don't give them the freedom to choose. Hey, if you want to follow God, you can, but you can do whatever you want. No. What? No. My kids don't have a choice. Hey, they can follow God or they can incur my wrath. Isn't that how it should be? Or have we bought into secular humanism so much that we think children should be able to make up their minds about whether God exists? What a bunch of baloney. Of course not. Children should be brought up in the fear and discipline of the Lord. Teachers, don't give your kids an option. Hey, do you feel like coming to church today if you want to read the Bible? No, warn them in God. Or does God not have expectations of them? I say this is the arrogance and the pride that is taking over American culture like we have a choice to follow God. Hello, the Bible is all about how we do not have a real choice. You can choose and then God will judge you. That's what it says. And guess what our commitment is? To go and to baptize the nations. What does it mean to baptize them? It means to call them to death. To call them to death. Death to their old way of life. Death to their old identities. To baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And to teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And that we of a church have been so poor at this. We're like the church of the great suggestion. It's not a suggestion from heaven. The God of heaven was content to let nations go their own way in past times. But now he commands that all men everywhere repent. For he has set a day that he will judge the earth by the man that he has appointed. This is the message. This is the gospel. The gospel is not about how much God loves you and has a great destiny for your life. 
I'm sorry that I emphasized that too much in the past. It's true, he does have a destiny for our lives, but that's a side issue. The main issue is that God commands us to worship the Son. Why do the nations rage and the kings of the earth plot a vain thing against the Lord and his anointed, saying, let us throw off his chains? The one in heaven laughs. He laughs at them. He says, I have placed my king on Zion, my holy hill, therefore... Kiss the sun, all you nations, all you rulers, lest he be angry. We're speaking about Jesus. This is the news. He's not, a, he's not a lamb going to the cross when he returns. He's coming back as a roaring lion, as the one who will judge the nations with a rod of iron. It's the one who will punish those who refused to bow before him and recognize who he truly is. And this is, the, this is the message that we must have. And this is what I'm going to say. Even as the church starts to embrace this message, God is going to release the power for signs and wonders to demonstrate the authority of the kingdom. It is because the church has failed to preach the kingship of Jesus that we failed to see the power in this generation. But God is getting ready to release the power. But there must be a church that's able to preach the message of the king. That's the season that we're in right now. It is the John the Baptist forerunner season for the church that we should consecrate ourselves and set ourselves apart. Get away from unholiness. Throw off everything that entangles. Get rid of it. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. It's a season for consecration for holiness, church. And so I plead with you. It's time to get serious about your faith. Unserious Christianity will not be tolerated in this next generation. I'm serious. Because you are neither hot nor cold. God will spit you out of his mouth in this next season in the form of persecution. There's a persecution coming upon the body. And those who have not heeded his warnings to get deep roots in the faith, they will fall away. So I'm saying, now's the time. Get serious about your faith. This is the message of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is what keeps us on the path of life. Even when we get offended. Even when it's difficult and it's hard. The fear of the Lord is what holds us steady. The second sin that God rebuked Israel for, understand the first, is idolatry. The second sin is sacrificing their children to Molech. Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 30 says this, The people of Judah have done evil in my eyes, declares the Lord. They have set up their detestable idols in the house that bears my name and have defiled it. They have built the high places of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. To burn their sons and daughters in the fire. Something I did not command, nor did it enter my mind. So beware the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call it Topheth, or the valley of Ben-Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For they will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. This is the sin that outraged God in the Old Testament. 
And can I tell you, it is the same sin that is outraging him today. It's the same sin. You understand why children sacrificed, or excuse me, why parents sacrificed their children to Molech. Molech was a deity, probably the Phoenicians. The Israelites learned this from them. They would engage in sexual immorality and pagan sexual rituals where they would have children. And often those were the children that would be sacrificed to Molech. The idea of this would be that it would please Molech. They would please him and that he would bless their life with success. Can I tell you, it is pretty much the same reason why kids, why parents abort their kids today. Because they don't want to inconvenience their lives or afraid their kids will rob their prosperity. This is what we have today. It's the same sin. In our Ignite conference yesterday, I went through the four-part pattern that we see throughout history and in the scriptures. We see a major sin issue. In God's mercy, he sends the spirit of Elijah to call for holiness and for prayer. In the first century, it was John the Baptist who came preaching repentance. He was to prepare the way for the Lord. And then Jesus came and he demonstrated the power of God saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Those that refused to repent and receive the revelation that God was bringing were judged in 8070, just as Jesus had prophesied. The four-part issue, the four-part pattern is major sin. Spirit of Elijah, prayer and holiness movement. A Jesus movement, a revival filled with signs and wonders and miracles. And then the final step is judgment. This is the pattern that we see throughout history. And I tell you, this is the pattern that we are in right now. Right now, church, we're in it. This is what's going on in the nations. We're part of this story. We're in the largest, greatest prayer movement in the history of the world right now. We should celebrate that because it's hope. But it's for a purpose. Malachi chapter 4 tells us the purpose. To see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. This is the word. The purpose of the spirit of Elijah, of the holiness prayer movement, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. To stop being so selfish. Stop it with the selfishness, America. Stop it. Turn your hearts to your children. But it's also to turn the hearts of the children to their parents. You understand there's so many children today because they grow up in a situation of brokenness. They develop a rebellious spirit because they haven't had fathers that have devoted themselves to them and disciplined them and taught them wisdom. They grow up rebellious and angry against authority. They grow up resentful against rules that would be imposed by them. If nobody's loved me, why should they impose rules on me? They grow up rebellious and resentful towards the Lord. They say, why would a good God allow this to happen to me? 
This is the generation that we live in right now. This this rebellious generation. They're so broken. They don't understand that it's God who's trying to heal them. It's God who's trying to help them. It's God who gave strict commandments that their parents would not behave in that way. But this rebellious youth generation, so filled with arrogance that they know what to do. They don't need traditions. They don't need ancient morality. They know how to do it themselves. They're the generation that's finally going to get socialism to work. Fools are going to destroy all that the righteousness of our forefathers has gotten for us. We're living in the greatest economic times in history. 80% of global extreme poverty has been eliminated in the past 50 years. These fools, these fools are raging against the greatest economic miracle in, in history. And their rebelliousness is going to bring judgment. This is what the spirit of Elijah is. It's the voice crying out in the wilderness, repent, prepare the way of the Lord. Make every hill low, raise up the valleys, make a highway of holiness. That's what we're in right now. It's the highway of holiness. And I have a commission for you, Burning Tree Ministry. Bring holiness to those around you. Bring holiness to your fellowships. Bring holiness to Epic and to now. Bring holiness to your campuses. Bring holiness. Preach it because this is the season. It is time to prepare the way of the Lord. God is getting ready to release a great revival in America, but it's for a purpose. And if we don't seize it, then we'll miss the purpose and we'll be due great judgment. Now is the time. Don't be drunk on the wine of the world. Don't forfeit your spiritual destiny because you can't get yourself to unplug from whatever Netflix show you just love too much. Come on. Do it a little bit. Don't do it a lot. Pray a lot. Watch Netflix a little. Pray a lot. Play video games a little. Study the scriptures a lot. I don't know what else you do. Social media, Fortnite, whatever. You guys understand. It's not sin. It's just sin to get drunk on it. Don't get drunk on it and ignore and forfeit your destiny. Because now is the time for champions to arise. I got to tell you, I feel like I'm in that number. I feel like I'm in that number. I feel like God is releasing a generation of Charles Finney's. He's releasing a generation of George Whitfield's, of D.L. Moody's, of Jonathan Edwards's. We're going to see great champions of the faith arise in this generation all over the place. And I want to be in that number. I'm jealous for that destiny over my life. And I encourage you, come with me. Don't get left in the dust of history. Come with us. Let's do this. That's why we're praying. That's why we're devoting ourselves to prayer. Not just to do it as an obligation, but to find the Holy Spirit in it. To find the burden of the Lord in it. To find the weight of his heart in it. 
We don't need a bunch of Christians who just show up for prayer meetings. We need Christians who will get the heart of God such that it becomes a consuming fire on their lives. That they're like Jeremiah. It's a fire in their bones. And when they try and stay silent, they cannot keep it in. This is the Jeremiah generation that must arise in America in these times to turn the nation, to shift it around. There's still hope if we would arise in these times. And I have hope. I have great hope. Before I finish, I need to kill this bad doctrine that all of this is just for the Old Testament. Luke 19, verse 41. This is speaking of Jesus. Jesus, he comes into Jerusalem. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Understand, church. This same opportunity is about to come on America. And hear me, I always got to be careful. I don't know what the timing is, okay? I don't know if it's a year from now or 30 years from now. I don't think it's 100 years from now. But in humility, I don't know. All I know is the urgency in my spirit. So I tell you, let's leave behind all the other stuff. Let's rise up as a praying church that God can fill with his glory. I want to be filled with the glory of God. I want to be filled with him. I want to find my satisfaction and my pleasure in his presence. I want him to be my portion and my reward. I don't want to have to get it. From anything that's not in his will for my life. I don't need anything outside the will of God. He satisfies me. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I don't need whatever you're selling. And with that, let's come before the Lord. Worship team, come on up. Jesus spoke this over Jerusalem. The judgment came after the cross. You can't say that this just happened before Jesus as though God somehow magically changed completely. And he no longer judges nations. Then what the heck is with all the wars? What's with all the devastation? No, the only thing that's changed is that we become so blind that we can't see God moving throughout history. He has moved throughout history, and he is moving today. Oh, that the eyes and the ears of the church would be opened in these times so that we would be able to see what he's doing. What it does is it fills you with a righteous urgency. It brings purpose and meaning to your life. I was sharing with the Ignite class yesterday. So many Americans are looking for their purpose. They're looking for their calling. Oh, please get let me into that med school. I'm called to be a doctor. No, you're not. You know what you'll find if you become a doctor? You will find that it sucks. That's what you'll find. 
hundreds of thousand dollars of debt, that's what you'll find. You'll find that it's pretty much like any other job. It will not fill you with abundant life and satisfaction. Look, career is what people who don't know God find meaning and purpose in. The idea that Christians should feel like the meaning of their life is to have a certain job. Give me a break. No. No. We find the calling in our lives by seeing the great need that the Holy Spirit presents. Martin Luther King Jr., the purpose of his life was not, I'm going to be a great speaker, and one day everyone's going to go, wow, I am an amazing speaker. That's not the purpose. Did that happen? That's exactly what happened. But that's not the purpose. He didn't go, wow, I'm pretty good at speaking. Maybe I should be a pastor. Come on, get all that humanism out of your brain. No, he responded to the burden of the Holy Spirit put on my heart. Lead my people into freedom. And I say in the same way, do you understand that there's the same calling right now? The same calling that Martin Luther King Jr. took hold of in the past generation is staring us in the face. But I tell you, this calling is even greater than his. 40 million babies are looking for a champion in this generation. How many more are going to be aborted? Billions. Billions of babies are looking for a champion in this generation. And I say this, don't say that it is impossible. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. Nothing is too hard for God. This is what he does. He turns the story around. He changes everything when he moves. He's just looking for a people that he can move through. He's looking for a people that he can move through. Oh, God, raise us up. Stand to your feet right now. God has babies on my heart, church. If you're called to America, you got to be a champion for the unborn. God's got spiritual babies for many of you in countries abroad. The babies are on the heart of Jesus right now. Several people have talked to me. Pastor Dennis, it's so hard to pray. It's so hard to do these prayer meetings. I know I've been there. I have been there. I know how hard it is to lead some of these prayer meetings. I'll tell you what you need. You need a greater urgency in your spirit. That's what you need. When you have urgency, prayer is easy. When you have no urgency, prayer sucks. So right now, can we just ask God to fill our hearts with his burden? Just ask him right now. Just start to cry out. Let's start to pray. Let's lift up our voices right now. Let's ask God to fill us with his heart and with his burden. God, turn back the tide in America. Turn back the tide in America, God. Turn back the tide in America, God.